Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. We are in Song of Songs or otherwise known as Song of Solomon's. Songs of Solomon, sorry. And uh, I just wondered if you know where Song of Songs is. It's a little book between Ecclesiastes and Isaiah in the Old Testament. And uh, it's not a very preached on, often book. It's, uh, it's just tucked in there, and it's actually a series of poems. And uh, so I want to just start with uh, Song of Songs 1 verse 6, and it says, uh, Do not stare at me. Because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. We're going to come back to that verse a little later, but just firstly, a little, a little memory of ours. When, when our family many years ago um, visited the Solomon Islands for six weeks, to help out my sister and brother-in-law who were serving over there. He was a doctor and they were serving in the in the Munda. Uh, there was just only a handful of tiavaka, which are, which are white people, tiavaka, working there. And one couple that I truly um, you know, ha- um, respected and admired had been there 10 years in this really isolated community. They were translating the Bible into the local Roviana language. And they were barely halfway through, been there 10 years, and they were barely, you know, maybe even just halfway through the New Testament translating into another language. And, um, and so they had to choose, really, from here on, which books would be the most relevant to the locals in case perhaps they ran out of time. And as, as, you know, the guy, me, as I felt like I'd only been there like five minutes, I really had no right to say anything. Um, but I couldn't help thinking that, the, that wouldn't it be great to have all of Scripture in their language? And because uh, I sort of noticed that they displayed so much grace and humility toward us. And they were very sincere in their worship, but it was very rigid and formal. We're talking men on one side, women on the other. It's almost like they, they, nothing had changed since the missionaries had brought the gospel 90 years before. And I just thought, hey, what about worship being a little bit of their own cultural flavor? So those were my thoughts anyway. Um, that sort of definitely, there was no doubt they had changed. Their, their lives were completely different to 90 years previous when there was tribal warfare and other things going on. Um, And it was just the power of the gospel, really, and Christ in them that had changed them. But... uh, but I did wonder, you know, if, if they needed to have this own, their own flavor in their worship. And it was certainly not my call, but maybe uh, I felt that um, when my, these new friends said that they decided to leave out the Song of Songs, something in me sort of said, oh, no, maybe that's a book that would have been really, really good to have and been a link for them in a fairly male dominated 
um, culture. As I said, I was just the new guy, and it was just my thought. Maybe it was a God thought. But Song of Songs is really much more than just a picture or an allegory of the depth of the unselfish love relationship between the Lord and his people. And uh, some would say it's, it's an allegory, just that's all it is, between the Lord and his church and our response. After all, in, uh, in the 70s, back uh, when we first started um, at Easter camp, we used to sing a song uh, from chapter 2, verses 4 and 16 that says, My beloved is mine, and I am his, and his banner over me is love. Some people still remember it. And that comes from chapter 2, verse 4 and 16. But as we dig a little deeper, um, like much of Scripture, we find that it's so much more than an allegory. Some in church history have been embarrassed by the uncensored sensuality in this series of love poems. As far back as Hippolytus in the 3rd century and Calvin among the Reformers, this book has been interpreted simply as God's love for Israel and Christ's love for the church. Scholars and theologians of the past have almost dismissed this book, questioning whether it should have even been included in the sacred text. But as we face a world of hurting people in the 21st century that has got really messed up over finding true love, we realize that the call to love in these poems has a really significant place. Let's face it, finding love drives some people crazy. Song of Songs is not just a call to worship. It is a call to love. Last week I spoke about having an Emmaus Road encounter of our own. What if it was, in fact, a husband and wife on that road to Emmaus, having maybe a few difficulties in their marriage, when the risen Christ comes alongside, reveals himself over the breaking of bread and opens their eyes to real love and heals their marriage. I asked Jenny about this and she says it's fine to say this, that we've, like many couples, known that love can be rebirthed over and over again with Christ's help. There are times when any marriage struggles and uh, we sometimes get into that place where we just wonder if it's going to make it. And um, with Christ, we've had that love rebirthed over and over again. So yes, Song of Songs is as up to date as ever. It's not just a call to worship. It's a call to love our significant other with a whole heart, valuing, treasuring, and growing the bond that brought us together. It's a tough book for singles. Maybe, maybe not. Preachers often avoid this book because it's so full on, which is why we don't hear it quoted often. Relationships have become so fragile because we live in such a broken world. This generation has been told 
so many lies from the enemy about love, marriage and sex. Some of the programs that were on in the 90s are now the fruit of those are now affecting marriages, people, generations and kids. Let's turn to Song of Songs. It's open the word at chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 8 to 13. And as we said, it's almost the song we sang before. So let's sing. Not let's sing scripture. We could. <laughs> be good to. But let's read uh, verses 8 to 13. Listen, my beloved. Look, here he comes. Leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cook cooing of doves is heard in our land the fig tree forms its earthly oh, its early fruit and the blossoming vines spread their fragrance arise come my darling my beautiful one come with me in verse 8 we see a rather sweet exaggeration of this girl's man's ability <laughs> his Superman ability to leap across mountains and bound over hills would be a stretch even for Bear Grylls. In her eyes, he's amazing. Basically, she's all about him and saying how cool he is. He can leap mountains. <laughs> and I guess what she's saying is, you know, oh, I just think he's the man. I guess the New Testament version of this kind of thinking is Philippians 4.8, whatever's true, whatever's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, let's think on those things. Well, at least she is admiring, and ladies, men need that. <laughs> we, we go to work, uh, we, 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 we get up early, we go to work, we you know, do the right thing, we're honest, we... We don't, we, we don't um, you know, chat up ladies or whatever, and we come home, we think we've made about 100 points for the day. And the lady says, you got one point. I did dinner. <laughs> you know, in this culture we've created in the West, praise and admiration is scarce. Praise can seem hollow or weak some, to some people these days. They don't want to be risking um, you know, seeming, seeming artificial. And it can easily be taken the wrong way. So often people with the gift of encouragement get taken the wrong way. So we get used to suppressing it. However, with our spouse, we should go hard with our gift of encouragement. I love it when... Dot, dot, dot. I was proud of you today when... Dot, dot, dot. You're really good at dot, dot, dot. We need to encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Secondly, we see from this passage that this couple, my second point, that we see from this couple that their love is, the, is in the context of the seasons. In fact, for two whole verses, there's a lot of 
words about the seasons. They attribute their connection, really, with creation. It's like part of this bigger plan. It's like, in a sense, they're grateful to God for bringing them together. Even the birds are sort of sounding more chirpy, and, and the, the sun seems brighter when they're together, and, and they're just sort of so engulfed in this connection with, with, with creation. They're thankful to him for getting them through they're thankful to God for getting them through the winter times. Here's something I want to really want you to remember. Surviving winter and coming into a time of new life are crucial factors in keeping love alive. Surviving winter and coming into a new time or season keeps love alive and revives the sparks of romance. Also, there's periods of life we call seasons of the soul. And as we age, things change, and true love looks different. Perhaps we cherish being together more with a greater emphasis on soul connection. Perhaps what we value most changes. We care less about what other people think about us. And we care more about pleasing the ones we love. Yes, seasons come and go, but true love remains. Thirdly, the writer says, the girl says, arise, come away, my love, in verse 10 and 13. That is to suggest a new direction. Love should transport us from here to somewhere. We should be willing to change and adapt in order to satisfy the other's needs. And this only works when both do their part and are moving forward together. And I realize this is more for couples. But on the big issues, both should have a say and a solution should envelop both parties. True love also looks out for others and is not exclusive. You know, one of the joys of God-ordained marriage is serving together and having a vision that includes others. Ministering together can give new direction for some. You know, most Christians need reminding of the joy of serving and at times they could do more. But a few saints need to hear the warning I read in chapter 1, verse 6, where we began today, where the writer says, My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. This girl has been hurt. She's been burnt out by serving. She couldn't even call those that had piled on the excess responsibility her brothers. She calls them her mother's sons. Her disappointment turns into bitterness, seeing her vineyard in ruins. Another version says, my face has been uncared for. For a woman, that's really important. She's been out in the sun. She's got sunburnt. She's got, you know, cracks in her hands, wrinkles. She hasn't had any time for herself. And that can be our say. Her personal needs and her, all her emotional gauges, physical gauges, spiritual gauges were all on zero 
And I know that feeling. And I know you've got to watch out and know when it's getting close to zero. One of the dangers of selfless love is that we can easily overlook our own needs and end up unable to keep going. Perhaps the reason we have Song of Songs is that Scripture as a whole is richer for it. Also in regard to intimacy and the anticipation of love, women have a voice. Approximately 75% of these poems are written by the woman and on behalf of all women and men, perhaps it's time to listen and learn what women want. Listen to what author Alphanetta Wines has to say. She writes, In a day and time when music and movies simultaneously extol and exploit love distorted, abused and taken for granted. In a day and time when there are women's shelters to protect women and their children from domestic and or family violence. In a day and time when human sex trafficking rivals the drug trade for illegal financial gain. In a day and time when headlines daily affirm that women around the globe are kidnapped, raped and disrespected. In a day and time such as this, we need to hear Song of Songs. We need to hear voices that speak boldly of true love. We need to be reminded of what love can be. Scholars tell us there was much debate about whether to include this book in the sacred text. The text is richer and the world is forever blessed and grateful for those who won the argument for its inclusion. Whether we are married or single, God wants us to be healthy in spirit, mind and soul. Song of Songs is really for everyone in order to understand not only what true love is, but also what it isn't. True love is not abusive. True love is not rude. It is not arrogant or impatient. True love is kind. True love waits. And true love makes for true happiness. God's ways work. And intimacy with Christ is really the end goal that we all aspire to. Amen. He is our ultimate friend and lover of our soul. So I would just like to conclude with the famous love passage that I've read at many, many weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, did you catch that? that intimacy with Christ. 
When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. Wow. Christ knows us inside out. He knows you and he still loves you and me. But now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm going to ask Jenny to come and join me because I just felt today it would be really great if we just prayed a prayer of repentance as men and women for perhaps, you know, our part in the relationship. So I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. And if this gels with you and you just want to say amen at the end of this, then this could be for you too. But I just felt that we could pray these prayers. Father God, I pray on behalf of myself and all the men present here today, please forgive us. For any time or occasion we have shown disrespect or disregard for the woman you've placed in our lives. We begin with our mother, sisters, daughters, stepdaughters, granddaughters, relatives, flatmates, workmates, or those we simply do life with. We confess the sin of put-downs, criticism or belittling in any way. Father, we also confess we have not listened or paid enough attention to their needs. And Lord, we now forgive them for any hurt we've received. Lord, we now confess those same things in regard to our wives, fiancés or significant other, even if they are no longer in our life. Lord God, forgive us for not understanding their heart cries or opinions or for in any way letting them down. Help us to do better. Forgive us for any time we have done things, not done things, seen things or said things that have hurt them. We forgive them now for any hurt we have received from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I pray on behalf of myself and all the women present here today. Please forgive us for any occasion we have shown disrespect or disregard for the men you have placed in our lives. We begin with our father, brothers, sons, stepsons, grandsons, other relatives, flatmates, workmates, or those we simply do life with. We confess the sin of put-downs, criticism, or belittling in any way. Father, we also confess we have not listened or paid enough attention to their needs, and Lord, we now forgive them. And Lord, we now forgive them for any hurt we have received. Lord, we now confess those same things in regard to our husbands, fiancés or significant other, even if they are no longer in our life. Lord God, forgive us for not understanding their heart cries or opinions and for in any way letting them down. Help us to do better. Forgive us for any time we have done things not done things, seen things or said things that have hurt them. We forgive them now for any hurt 
we have received in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist.